Hey everyone, welcome to the Jeff Macalino Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, I'm glad you're listening to me. Got a fun one today. Uh, Flobo Boyce, he is a stand-up comedian, pro wrestling pundit, podcast host, digital entertainment network owner, author, and esports commentator. Uh, very funny guy, very fun to talk to him, had a blast. Uh, check out his uh, book that's now available on Amazon. I love the premise on this one. It's called Graduation Day. Uh, he talks about that only near the end of the podcast, so you have to stay tuned. Uh, but I will link in the show notes. You can just go ahead and buy the book if you'd like. Um, but I'd also love if you listen to the whole podcast. Also, there's an Urban Dictionary segment. And for the first time ever, uh, my guest joined me to unveil the Urban Dictionary segment. Uh, Flobo, a lot of fun uh, talking with him. He is great. You can find him, well, all the links are in the show notes. Don't you know the drill by now? Um, he shared the stage with comics such as Mark Marin and Tony Baker. Um, he he's, he's funny, and he's fun to talk to, and he's a very smart guy, too. You know, it's, it's uh, we, we go go uh, all over the place uh and uh i enjoy a beverage or two along the way so i hope you enjoy it uh remember to uh, like subscribe follow blah 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 uh and hey if you want to check out i mentioned the acting uh the the things i mentioned in the podcast are ones that are not even like out yet on youtube but the joe nolfo show is the comedy sketch show. He was a guest of mine a month or two ago. Um, just go, uh, go on YouTube and search Joe Nolfo. You'll see it. And there's a few sketches that I've been in, like Rubies or Boobies. Uh, and uh, I think the last one is... Uh, golly, I should probably... I don't know the title of it. It was something about... Uh, lines for lovers or something to that effect. Uh, anyways, if you want to check out my acting, you can by going and checking it out on YouTube. Uh, and, uh, in future weeks, some of the things I mentioned, like the, my terrible John Lennon and, uh, my, I think pretty decent Jackie Gleason will be on there. So hope you enjoy this podcast with me and Flobo Boyce. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. Again, remember, we've got the uh, Urban Dictionary smack dab there in the middle, and uh, I'll see you on the flip side. Hi, everyone. Now I welcome Flobo Boyce to the Jeff McAlino podcast. How are you, Flobo? I'm good, man. I'm living large, man. Where are you calling from today? What part of the world are you located, based uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, okay, cool. That's what's up, man. I, we're, before we went live, I was saying I used to live in Florida for four years. I went to Flagler uh, over there mm. in, in, in St. Augustine. So that was kind of a, a culture shock coming from Brooklyn. <laughs> but uh, my Florida, yeah, a lot different, bro. <laughs> but uh, my my uh, Florida years. Nope, I lost you for a second. Are you back? I'm back, baby. All right. Sorry about that. I think it was my, I accidentally clicked something. <laughs> so you were uh Flackler is in St. Augustine, you said? Yeah, the no man's land between Jacksonville and Daytona. 
Yeah. Well, you see, so Florida is such a weird state with depending where like North Florida is like farming and shit. Uh, yeah. South Georgia. Exactly. Yeah. I call it South Alabama. <laughs> um, <laughs> my area, yeah, you know, Tampa, St. Pete, it's more like a normal kind of city. I think like got beaches, it's got downtown nightlife, yeah. a lot of strip clubs. Uh, <laughs> Hey. I don't know if that's normal. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm from New York. I live in LA, so there's a lot of strip clubs, so it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, I mean, there's there's got to be some sort of measure of like success per and strip club count. Like, if you have no strip clubs, you're probably not a very you know economically uh, successful city. If you have a lot, yeah. you're probably doing okay. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the more white collar jobs you have, the more ways you can spend it on things. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I, I actually was, I was on someone else's podcast last night and uh, they they're big into crypto. And I'm like, man, if I had all the money I'd spend at strip clubs and invested in crypto that night, instead of at the strip club, I would own the moon right now. <laughs> you know what, man, I was, I, I, I agree with you because crypto is, is the future and I wish I got into it a lot earlier. Um, but I, there's some nights I go to strip club, I go to strip club, like, you know what? I blew 200 bucks, but it was worth it, man. <laughs> like, it's just a weird vibe. Well, the 200 buck night, those are, yeah, those are worth it. I'm talking like two, three, six thousand. Oh, uh, those, those nights, those nights are, are fun <laughs> while they happen. And not very fun for the rest of you. <laughs> I, I am I am medium ball in that. I was like two hundred dollars. Well, why not? <laughs> You're saying oh, no, yeah. man, two grand at least. Yeah. No, no, that's that's I used to. I'd actually be like, I'm going to a strip club. I'm only taking cash with me. I've got three hundred bucks, but I do have an emergency card. So if I don't use that, it's a successful night. Got to be able to pay the tab if you accidentally lose all, use all the cash, right? Oh yeah, man, four drinks are minimum, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they usually when I get a room, they usually just bring the drinks in constantly. I don't even get charged for them because I get. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the the clubs you've been to, but anytime you go to a private room, <laughs> the the biggest scam is the uh, strip club threesome, which is actually. Oh. Uh, well, this will tie into wrestling. This is actually a joke I, I was working on. It's a strip club threesome's like a tag team wrestling match. Like one is in the ring doing the business, and then they just decide I'm going to tap out. The other one's going to come in and do the work, and I'm going to just sit and maybe rub your shoulders. Or <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is kind of like that. <laughs> like, hey, I pay I'm, for experience. I'm paying double. I'm paying for both of you to be in the ring at all times. Instead, it's like. Hey, just work in the work in the crowd, you know. <laughs> yeah. Half the time, one of them's not in the room because they're at the bar getting me another drink. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if this is worth the money. See, life always goes back to professional wrestling, wrestling, man. It's true. <laughs> I love that quote that you had, and uh, I will say, I I only watch wrestling for about less than a year. And it was, uh, my parents stopped letting me watch it. It was probably, it was in middle school at some point, but I feel like it was probably the heyday. It was, I remember the big thing was the rock versus triple H. Okay. And, uh, so Undertaker. 2001. Yeah. Undertaker was American badass. He, he rode the motorcycle and the kid rock music and, uh, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, that, that was the time that it was like, yeah, this is, this is 
good. And now it's anytime I've, I've seen it on TV or anything, I'm like, oh, I, I don't know any of these people, except for The Undertaker, I guess comes back every yeah. once in a while he, i mean he, he actually retired last november but but, the, but i hear you there's a long time where it was kind of like oh he'll make a yearly appearance like he was like you know like an actual god like oh it's i don't take your season what's up no it, it's interesting because i've been watching wrestling constantly i would say from 2015 on but i've been wrestling fans since 93 so being able to to go back and forth and take a year off to come back year come on i think that's what makes wrestling cool because there's no reruns it's always a fresh episode of weeks you can jump off when you want and jump off when you want but there's a decision there going like do i want to learn these new characters much like going back into normal sports you know like i'm a big mets fan and even though i'm a mets fan my entire life there was a good like six or seven years after I didn't really watch them. And I got back into it uh, in 2018. I go, okay, do I want to learn these guys? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. And I think that's a decision that we all do. So I respect that for sure. Be- being a baseball fan, I feel like is a, is a pretty heavy commitment. Oh yeah. To, to actually be a fan. Like yeah. there's a lot of players, you got the minor leagues, you got to know, you know, the, the top prospects. Top prospect, and it's not a cool sport anymore. And and there's a lot of reasons you can get into it. I don't know how serious you want to make the show, but there's a lot of reasons you want to go into it where it's like baseball. There was a time where like sports were like say, no, screw it, we're into sport. There's no way you can compete with baseball. And now it's like who old guys watch baseball? Like it's not really a cool sport anymore uh, for a bunch of reasons. But I think the big one is that there's such an emphasis of playing the game the right way that a lot of new superstars are kind of like muted. They're not really a chance to show their personalities. So like it does seem very much like a museum. Compared to like basketball, where guys are dressed a certain way, or football, guys are going to the arena a certain way, and baseball is kind of like, good job. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I feel like, uh, and I don't know how closely you follow the NFL, but I feel like they're trying to become like foot, uh, like baseball with their, they've got this anti-taunting rule where a guy will get up after a big play and just look in the direction of the opponent. That's a taunting penalty. I, I, I get it because you don't want to make some, a bunch of bullies. And I understand that you want to make sure that it's like, it's a presentable product, but I mean, these are athletes, right? So you think about the psyche of an athlete, you've been training for this in some cases, 10, 15, 20 years, and you've been going to the weight room and I've been to the weight room once or twice in my life. And these guys finally get something going their way. It's like, oh yeah. Like I, I get hype when I get a coupon at the grocery store and that's not an athlete job at all so yeah let me pump a fist let me go hell yeah i deserve this but that's just me i'm an old fogey apparently yeah well my thing that pisses me off is it's like you know all you people are going to be pissed about that if you get a big hit in your softball game or make a diving catch you're going to get up and dance and act like you know you just did something great they actually did something great you're just yeah you put your beer down and caught a fly ball (laughs) i i look taunting rules make sense in high school because we're all just kids trying out. But if you're being paid millions, then I just say that you have to deal with it. I'm sure you can pay for some kind of like post-game, like counseling afterwards. I feel like <laughs> you should be able to take any kind of like, oh, I'm better than you today from your opponent. <laughs> did that guy who run over you, did he get up and hurt your feelings after he <laughs> told you over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. And this segues into comedy, actually. It is a, a, a weird world we live in that uh you know the old sticks and stones may break break my bones but words will never hurt me uh yeah. now nobody cares about sticks and stones like oh yeah you can you can hit someone they just need to take it but don't you dare say something that makes someone offended <laughs> um, oh yeah yeah it's a it's a weird world and and luckily for me 
Uh, and I'm very new. I mean, nine. How months. new are you? <laughs> now you're in the club, man. If you're if you're more than two weeks in the game, you know how it is. I'm sure you bombed already. I'm sure you've killed already. I'm sure you. Got oh yeah. Picked, but you brought brought people to a bringer show, so I think you're part of the fold. Yeah. Well, the the fun thing is the I got the bomb out of the way the first time, and I got the kill out of the way the second time. Even though I'll say the second time, listening back, and this is why I'm glad I don't release any. I haven't released any of my stand up. Uh, except for maybe a, a clip or two here or there. L- looking back, I'm like, God, that was terrible. It was just a good crowd, and it was funny enough premises that they were just they just laugh on the premise, and I, yeah. you know, didn't have to do much work. Like, well, that just means you're growing, man. Because like, I, I when I go home to, to Brooklyn, I see the family, and I go into like the little like draw of all my stuff, and I break out my kindergarten macaroni art. I'm never like. That's why I peaked right there. God damn, that was a good fucking microphone. No, it's just hey, it's you know, you grow as a person, you grow as an artist. You were supposed to go back and go, oh my gosh, that was my material. I'm awful. <laughs> no, and the good thing is the the most the most I, I don't really go into the offensive realm because I don't the the worst the the closest thing that I was afraid of doing is I I was talking. Uh, in a bit that I have to scrap the whole thing anyways, because I, I go about how much alcohol I drink and I talk hey, about hey. this, not the most relatable thing. Uh, there's some, some good jokes in there, but it, not a very relatable thing for a typical audience. Maybe like a Doug Stanhope crowd would enjoy that, that set. But, sure, sure. Um, but in there, I'm talking about how my perception of my own self when I'm drinking compared to other people's perception of me and I, I said, after nine drinks, I think I'm loquacious. And I say, just to be clear, loquacious is an adjective. It's not the latest victim of a police shooting. Damn. And that's it, something I didn't expect. It, it takes a second. Yeah. And, and then you, everyone just trickles out because it's like, wait, no, that wasn't racist. <laughs> Initially, it sounded that way. <laughs> I mean, one, it does. Because I'm like, I think you mean a black dude, but the thing is loquacious with the U.S., I'm thinking like a dude in a toga, like straight up Roman emperor. Like. It, yeah, it could be. But I'm I'm feeding off of my Loquacious like, is the you, second of Rome, you know? Wait, if you assume loquacious is black, you're the racist. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I feel like, and, and, and I am from the, from the school of, you should be able to say what you think is funny as, as a writer. Um, whether or not you're considered offensive, your crowd will let you know that. Um, I think the, the worst thing is not so much, I don't believe in necessarily cancel culture because if you are doing something wrong, they'll let you know that's, that's what the crowd's supposed to do to know right. what's in good taste. But um, for me is you should be able to be in a sound man to write the joke you want and then perform it and then go, okay, maybe that's too hard. Maybe it cut a little deep. Uh, so something like that, I personally wouldn't do it. I feel like, ah. but you know, you should be able to say, okay, cool. And if I was a guy in the audience as a comedian too, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll laugh in the crowd. Like, okay, you tried. I was dope. I was dope. I like it. So, well, I, I think a lot of communities get kind of like in their own heads, like, oh man, cancel culture is going to come and, and take me away, bro. And it's like, only if you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> only I- if you're a dick. Like, like it's, yeah. Yeah, if you and that I feel like that's part of the thing is, you know, enough, again, limited experience, but you know, enough, if you say something and no one laughs, whether it's offensive or not, you know, it's not funny. So if you if it's borderline offensive, if you're like, I don't know, if no one laughs, that's no good. <laughs> so I will say that there is a caveat to that. And sometimes and this is why I think crowds are they win the day, because 
sometimes I may write a joke with good intentions, with not meaning to offend, and I don't realize I'm offending someone. And I always use mm. this example. So you guys listen to my podcast all over the world. I apologize, but my okay. So when a, when a comic starts off doing comedy, there are certain hack bits we always do. If they're an Italian comic, it's always about being in a big Italian family. If they're a gay comic, it's about coming out or, or something like that. If it's a black comic, the premise is always, in my case, I am black, but there's always a thing where we do a, a where new black comics go, I'm black, but there's something I don't like or something I, I think that's betraying my culture. For me, I was saying, hey, look, as, as black as I am, if you put me in Africa, I'll be out of place. I would land in Uganda, I think it was a joke I used, and say, hey, where is the Chipotle, right? Something <laughs> three months in, it wasn't the hottest guy, how's the joke? But then I remember saying, hey, look, I can't deal with this because, you know, in Africa, you have like these like insects and they're large and they're bunk, whatever. So I got pulled aside one, com one night and someone goes, hey man, I'm from Africa. It offends me when Americans make fun of the continent. And in my brain, when I wrote that joke, it was more about me being a fish out of water halfway across the world. So in that case, I didn't even know it was offensive, but I'm glad that person in the audience let me know. And I go, okay, I didn't realize what kind of effect it has. That's why I think it's, it should be a, a relationship with a comment to say, allow me to push the envelope. You let me know if I'm beyond the pale. What has changed is this guy said something, take his, just take his whole like work away, take his way of feeding his family away. And that to me is a little bit excessive. Yeah, and I don't, uh, that's exactly, I mean, part of the beauty of comedy is you try things, you think yeah. they might be funny, you fail, you fail, you move on. Now, if you, if you double, triple down on it, there's, there's a problem. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the best thing a crowd can do is not react. If you boo as a comedy, you can like use that as like a kind of a heckle thing. But if I tell a joke and you sit there and you fold your arms and do nothing, I go, okay. I'll, I'll give this joke one more chance in, in another room. And if it doesn't work, then I have to really think about whether or not it's important. Well, the, the best example, even like you said about the booing, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Bill Burr's uh, Philly rant, where he goes on and he just badmouths Philly and he's just getting booed and he just goes on and just double. And eventually he turns the crowd because he is just ripping Philadelphia a new one. And, uh, he he has said that made him as a comedian like that was his big break, uh, yeah. and, and it wasn't you know you listen back to it it's not the funniest thing although I personally despise Philadelphia so I found it amusing. <laughs> ex wife yeah okay yeah say no say less man I got you no, but that's what it is man and it goes back to wrestling too if you're a wrestler uh, a, a good guy or a bad guy they cheer they boo you that's something you can use feed on that but if you come out and no one gives a damn. That's a whole big thing. If I'm doing a bit and I'm not done yet and they're booing me, I have a choice. I can bail or I can say, no, I'm going to double down this and, and have this perspective. And then at the end of it, usually it's, hey, look, I know where you're coming from, but I didn't like it. Or, okay, that's pretty funny. And that's what Billboard did. That's why he's elite. That's why he's one of the top household names in the genre. Yeah, actually, the, the funniest reaction that, and this is actually what I had initially to that loquacious joke, was a ooh like not sure how to react but i'm reacting mm -hmm. like a, oh i'm not sure if that's appropriate that it just so happened that audience was mo majority was black i would say at least the non-comedians the majority was black once they started laughing then every yeah. all the white people ooh here's a, here's a deep <laughs> reference for that so in the 90s 
there was a TV network called UPN. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, they had a show called Homeboys in Outer Space. And their computer AI Siri character was called Loquacia. Well, it was <laughs> the same thing. So, like, if UPN got away with it for an entire season, then you fine. No, I just, I love the, uh, the, the, the main reason I even brought that in was because I just like using big words. <laughs> I, sure. my thing is I typically try to come off as kind of the slow, kind of drunky, you know, just lazy white guy and yeah. then drop a, a, a big multi-syllable word and just people be like, what? It's kind of a hacky thing to an extent, but at the same time, I do have a good vocabulary and I am kind of a lazy, drunky guy. So. <laughs> uh, it's only hack if, you, if it's not authentic to you. So I think you're fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's fun to do. One thing I, I love about you and I, I, I yeah, I, 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 I like to consider myself shifting in this direction. You you have your hands in a million different things. Uh, you you know you do comedy you you host several podcasts mm -hmm. um you do the the uh esports i'm i'm curious about but you 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 branch yourself out in, in quite a quite a bit yeah. um and i think that's kind of been my approach especially this year it's just like uh well i want to write so the, to give you backstory on me the only reason i got into doing this podcast or doing stand-up was because I was writing dark comedy screenplays and they were very dark, but not very comedy. <laughs> right. So I reached the out to a movies. bunch of comedians. <laughs> exactly. That's it's like, there's no laughs in here. I think the story's good. It's very dark. I didn't laugh when I read it. Right. So I reached out to a bunch of comedians and uh, most of them, or actually I would say everyone who responded said, go do open mic nights, just start doing some stand up. And most of them also said, start doing a podcast because you'll find a way to, to be entertaining or you'll just die. Yeah. And then you can find your voice. You can take that into your writing. And so I've kind of just been like, I'll do everything. I started doing uh, acting on a comedy sketch show on YouTube because, you know, why not? An actor. Yeah, I'll learn more. <laughs> I, I host a, a Lightning and Rays podcast for some high school kid who runs a sports website for florida teams um, the lightning yeah and if, you, if you're in the audio version i'm folding my arms i'm a big islanders fan oh, whatever oh <laughs> whatever <Sorry. laughs> not just last night but uh sorry for the past yeah, couple yeah, of seasons yeah 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 all right you gotta rub it in dude <laughs> this interview's over <laughs> <laughs> Good Last night. night was the most enjoyable regular season game I've You know what, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Killing me. I, <laughs> I didn't know that before. I would have soft sell. <laughs> or either that or I would have just been ribbing you from the start. <laughs> well, last night on the, the opening puck drop, Pat Maroon and uh, Chara just dropped their gloves and get in a fight before. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's one way to start. <laughs> Might as well, all right? Welcome to any show. Yeah. Although, uh, funny, funny enough, I, one thing I observed in that fight, those are two big guys. I mean, Char is a fucking grotesque giant and Maroon's a big dude too. And their fight was pretty lame. I like, I, 
the small guys getting the fights, they're just throwing punches like crazy. The big guys, they're all, you know, like I have very low expectations. If I gotta throw a fight with somebody while standing on a pair of knives on ice, I'm gonna be very cautious too. So respect, you know. Yeah, the intent was there. Hold hold on for dear life, and if you start to fall, pull the guy down. (laughs) Right, exactly. That would be my strategy. Like ref, break it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let go as quickly as you can because that's when the refs come in and break it up. You look tough just for trying. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, So with all of the things you do, uh, I kind of wanted to talk to you. What what got you in the door first as far as I consider all of this kind of to be a comedy world? Sure. Um, What got you in the door first and what would you say is kind of your biggest passion, if you have one? I don't want to make you pick your favorite child. Oh, my biggest anything. passion is paying the rent, brother. Like that's the, that's the biggest passion <laughs> of all. So I got money in the bank. Uh, writing came first. Uh, when I was in film school, I, I, I went to Chapman here in Orange County, Chapman University, and uh, all the film students had to pick an emphasis or a, a focus. So I was the editing student. And on the side, I wrote scripts and I really wanted uh, the directing students to direct them. But of course, directors have their own stuff. And I had all these stories in a pile. I started writing in about 2008. So I, I was a first, first, first thing. But I will say that due to a near-death experience, uh, realizing that I have a second lease on life, I went to comedy in 2014. So, so comedy was like the second, but it was the biggest. And everything else from that came from either comedy or the pandemic where I was locked inside because you couldn't really go to comedy clubs because comedy clubs are literally designed to put people in small spaces for to get the acoustics or whatever. So they're the last to open up. Um, so I decided, okay, how can I put the comedy out there? Because the world told me quite literally what I did for my, my, my livelihood was not essential. So watching TV shows, I go, well, how could I bring comedy to this? And so I did a wrestling show called Draped in Gold where I had, okay, let's talk about the matches from a comedy perspective or Flow What's Up Flow After Hours was a late night comedy show. It is every Monday at 10 p.m., almost like a Jimmy Fallon thing. I bring a guest on, we, we chat, we answer questions from the, from the chat room and then we do a game like Jimmy Fallon. So comedy was like the, the, the base for everything because comedy first was my motto, but definitely writing came in 2008. 2008, 2008 was writing, comedy is 14. I would say podcast came in 2020, 1920. Esports came in 2020. And then I guess everything mixed into one is what I am today. And the uh, the esports uh, uh, Rocket League is that the main thing you do? Rocket League, baby! Woo! That's what that, I, I don't play much video, many video games. That's one game I got, and I thought I was good at it, but I I I, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, games. I'm stuck at I'm terrible <laughs> at it too. I, I'm awful at it, and and it's funny because like. Uh, I started getting into it in 2018, thanks to wrestling, really. I went to Comic-Con, uh, WWE wrestlers were, were at a signing and they were playing Rocket League behind them on a big video wall, got into it. Um, and it was, since games were five minutes long when I was stressed out trying to make ends meet or trying to find clients, I would say, look, I'm gonna play Rocket League for an hour, get myself familiar, pick up the games to blow off some steam and go back to it. Fast forward to the pandemic, I'm playing Rocket League all the time, and there is a senior group on Facebook for players over the age of 30, because that's 
basically when you're 30 years old playing video games you're an old man uh, i said hey you know i'm a comedian let me tell jokes over this tournament uh this this senior tournament so it was kind of like you know out the way grandpa or it's time for a nap ma'am like kind of a thing like that and i was in there for a bit and someone goes no you're really good you should probably become a shout caster or a caster and i go what the hell is that and you're like it's like 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 sports commentary it's like john madden or joe buck but for video games and and I asked around, didn't know what to do. And there's not many people that look like me at my age doing this, but I love Rocket League so much that I just get in the booth and I try to inform people who know what's going on, what's going on, but also educate those who don't know about this video game in a way that's entertaining. No, it's a it's fun, and I love that you did it too because I think that's that kind of fits in. Uh, and I think I've even heard you say this on on a podcast, whether it be yours or when you're guesting on someone else's, is uh, uh, say yes or, or don't say no to things. When opportunities yeah. arise, take them and run with them. See what happens. And I can tell you the story. This is, like, this is exclusive, y'all. Uh, where I got that, that piece of advice from. When I was in college, I was, in, I was on a radio station. And uh, I was at uh, Flagler College, WFCF St. Augustine. And what it was is during the morning and night, they had student slots for DJs in the afternoons and, and late mornings, they had community spots. And uh, one guy couldn't make it for a community spot for the, for the jazz, the afternoon jazz wave is what they call it. And my station manager was like, hey, Flobito, that's what he called me. Hey, do you want to uh, jump in for, for Claude on the afternoon jazz wave? And I go, I don't know shit about jazz. I'm sorry. He goes, hey, you never turn down airtime. You don't know. I go, all right, whatever, bro. And I did it. And then people were calling the show like, oh my gosh, you finally someone's playing different and refreshed music or finally a young person's doing the show and I got a little bit of notoriety doing that. And so I, I'm a big fan of that. It's never turn things down. And when you do get the gig, give them the show, give them 120%. You don't care if it's only one person in the audience, you're not getting paid at the rate you want, give them the entire thing. That's if you're getting paid the full purse because people pick up on that energy and they go, I want to book you for something. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And uh, I think that's, I, I even tie that into what I used to do when I was in the corporate world is uh, it's kind of fake it till you make it. Even if Someone op- offers you an opportunity, just try to figure it out as you go, even if you don't know what you're doing. If so, if so, I've never done more than five minutes on stage, five minutes set. If someone came to me and said, can you do 20 minutes? I'd be like, I'll figure it out as long as I got some time. <laughs> just Yeah. As long as I got at least eight hours, I'm sure I could figure out something. You'll never <laughs> forget the first time someone asked you that, though. When someone asks you, can you do it? You go, yeah, oh, shit. Like, it's not in me. the next few minutes, right? <laughs> right. And I'm telling you, the, that journey to it is something you won't forget. And that makes you a better comic. Yeah. No, I've been, I've been actually making an effort to, or not making an effort. I've been pulling back from, from actually going on stage lately to try to refocus on my writing. Because I feel like I've been trying to curate uh, a lot of the open mics I go to, you know, it's usually, and, and you, you could probably speak to this. A lot of times guys will throw up a bunch of incoherent jokes, but just trying to see what sticks and what works. I always want it to be a five minute set. I always want it to be a clean, everything works together. And uh, I think that's almost a detriment to an extent, but I'm always thinking, well, if 
an audience is here, I want to put on a, a five minute set. I don't want to do, this is 60 jokes that don't relate to each other. I just am trying to see what, what people laugh at. Um, and it's tough because you don't know, look, when there's three people in the audience and everyone else is a comedian, it's like, ah, I wish I had just prepared a bunch of short one-liners to, to toss out there. But when there's 40 people who show up in the audience, they, they're, they, they're not paying to see me test out 60 jokes. They want five minutes. So I'm always locked in on those five minutes. So I've been trying to actually sit at home and be like, okay, these five minute sets, how do they relate? And uh, let's face it, each one of them probably has a good two minutes in it. So <laughs> No, I, I hear you. I mean, use open mics to, to what you want. You know, I've done that before where it's like, I want to give work on five minute sets. And then sometimes I'm like, I'm wanting to learn some rap, rapid one-liners because I'm not sure how it is, <clears throat> excuse me, in Florida, but in, in Los Angeles, you get booked five minutes at a time. Sometimes yeah. it's seven, sometimes it's 10, but usually five minutes at a time. And so, whereas if I was going to work on my special, there's more time for me to air things out and to go into more detail or take some time to get to my punchline. But there has to be a, a concerted number of hits per minute on a five minute set, whether you like it or not, whether you want to risk it all for one punchline, it's not smart because you want to be able to get booked next time. So yeah, use your space whenever you want to. For me personally, I like to uh, learn, do my bits. I have my bits about, about 90 seconds a piece. And then in my head, have them as like loose parts where I go, I'll give them A, B, D, G today. And I'll give them C, D, F, X tomorrow personally. But there's some comics you give everyone their set there's some comics who go, I'm going to do crowd work. It really is up to your interpretation. Yeah. And that's one thing I've not even tried is the crowd work. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that comes later. Because you got to realize that once you give it to the crowd, you have to be able to be strong enough to say if they put the wrong direction. And I made this mistake. My first, so, so backstory. I used to weigh 400, 375 pounds. I lost 150 pounds on a subway diet. So when I was on my second month doing Seriously? comedy, no, true story. I ate seven sandwiches six days a week. But my, my second month doing comedy, the comedy store, which is the higher, yeah. I, I was like, hey, I lost a bunch of weight. Do you guys know how? And I was like, I don't care. I was like, and it was, it rattled me because I was like, holy crap. I didn't really expect someone to answer me. Shit. So like, I always say that the new comics, like get your material down pat and then venture out messing with people who may throw a wrench in it because then you'll be able to be like whatever you think sir get over yourself what i'm going to say was or well anyway or what have you yeah i so so the one thing i i have done i learned this from doing speaking at like uh employee events and stuff when i was yeah i was a manager so i'd speak at a, a town hall for employees and everything <laughs> but but one trick i learned is start off with something so my crap my uh I'll start by any singles in the house. You know, some people are going to clap, uh, you know, or I've been like, uh, any, any drinkers out there tonight? Of Everyone's drinking. Go to fucking comedy club, of course. They make so it, I, yeah. I, I give them a, a thing that I know someone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at least going to get some reaction. Oh, yeah. I tell you all the time, like, we don't really care how everyone's doing tonight. We just ask you that so you like us. <laughs> How's everyone doing? We don't give a shit. We don't... <laughs> Joke number but, one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's so. That's always been. That's I do always start at each set with a a very. There's no way unless everyone in the audience is dead. Someone's gonna at least be like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. 
And then if someone's over exuberant, there's always a, yeah, you seem a bit, bit too excited about. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has their own secret formula. Like I, I, I'm with you. I'm the same, the same boat, but I'll try to like say, jump off with the MC or the last comic that not in a disparaging way, but to make sure there's some cohesion between them and, and what I'm working on, because I think the smoke and mirrors is you don't want to recite your jokes. You don't want to say, here's what I practice. You want to make it sound like it's organic. So I get on stage and I go, whoa, you guys have been doing some stuff tonight. Am I right? Yeah, we have. <laughs> you know I mean, like, hey, you guys try the cookies? All right, cool. Joke number one. But same, <laughs> same thing to make sure people engage with you and make eye contact and then make your first joke, joke hit. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, is an, it is an art form uh, that is tough. And uh, I've, I've talked to, I've probably talked on, the, on my own podcast about it. Um, in, in doing all of these things, it's like you start prioritizing like, all right, well, I'm a divorced dad. I, I got two kids 51% of the time. So I'm never going to be a, a road comic. Uh, and I don't, it wouldn't be good for me because I tend to have some bad impulses when it comes to uh, the drinky and uh, some, some other stuff that if, you know. <laughs> uh, what do you mean there, Jeff? I don't know. The audio podcast will have no idea. <laughs> sounds, like, yeah, sounds like payday happens a lot at where you're from, bro. <laughs> no, I just got good friends. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's definitely a payday drug. Uh, I, I, dude, I'm with you because if it was me, I'd be like, here, here I am doing this podcast. I have, I have water. I got whiskey, I got Modelo, and I have clubs. I have a whole bar in front of me just to be a guest on the show. So you know that I'm either going to give you the best advice or the worst. <laughs> like I'm a big fan of that, just saying what's really happening and 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 showing people your vulnerabilities, and that people go, okay, I gotta relate to this person. I got five minutes in this relationship, like most like you and your backstory. Now we're here. Let's tell these jokes. You know my dad, Jeff Macalino, is a cool dad, but he's still old and not hip, which he shows by telling me to use the word hip. No one uses it anymore. Anyway, here's a segment where my dad has to go to Urban Dictionary to look up something that confused him on social media. What got you confused this week, Dad? All right. Thank you, Bella. So... Flobo is joining me for today's Urban Dictionary segment, and this one was a, uh, a listener suggestion that I already regret. Oh, I love it. The, the word is testicular resignation. Okay. Now, <laughs> now initially, my thought was like vasectomy, but uh, right. I, already, I already glanced down a little bit. That's not it. I'm thinking blue balls. It's kind of like I, I, I just can't. Right? Yeah, I give up. I give up. I tap out. Whiskey dick, kind of. Yeah. So uh, testicular resignation is when you write "I quit" on your nutsack in magic marker and show them to your boss when you quit. Oh wow! When? Oh, there is another definition. When the testicles resign. <laughs> Because they get fed up from living next to a dick and an asshole. <laughs> wow. Those are two different things. Those are two very... Uh, you could single have resigned twice in the same day. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I, I've quit a couple jobs. I've never hung my testicles out. 
Flobo? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I feel like if I hung him out, they'd be giving him a promotion. No, I'm just kidding. I have no <laughs> idea why anyone, why anyone would do that on the way out. Yo, I'm out. By the way, zip. <laughs> I mean, actually, it kind of would have been satisfying one time. I had this real bitch boss. Kind of yeah. would have been great. To, to, but, you know, except for it's probably like sexual assault. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? You hold the shaft and like jiggle your balls, or you just like drop trowel and go look at everything? What counts? The mechanics are not specified on an urban dictionary, so so I'm gonna call on whoever right. I don't know how urban dictionary works, I think it's like Wikipedia. You just I'm gonna right. call on someone to specify the mechanics of how you drop the balls because, yeah, that that plays a part too. I mean, I could see oh, just yeah. having like a bottom cut out of your pants for this specific purpose, and just you getting you know. my quitting pants. Is that what? <laughs> is that what? It is? My quitting pants with my balls ready to drop. <laughs> At that time, yep. I've many times threatened to drop. I, I I used to work in insurance, and I hung out at uh, personal injury attor- attorney's office, and then you know you clash, and I'm like, I don't make me put my balls on your keyboard. Oh yeah, see that makes sense. I mean, right. honestly, like teabagging. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of don't make me drop my balls to quit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the boss like he says gonna quit, but I didn't believe him. But then he showed me his nuts, and I had to believe him after that. Like, I don't. He, that, he that, wrote, I quit magic marker. That fucker was yeah. serious. <laughs> yeah, double down, man. Sheesh. <laughs> All right. Well, I hate you, listener. You know who you are. <laughs> but but that is the urban dictionary segment for today testicular resignation i feel smarter thank you so much listener so do i (laughs) one thing i've learned is it's it's like there's certain things that are they're all enjoyable i guess to me and i i assume you're in the same boat I I'm in. I mentioned that comedy sketch show I'm in. Uh, I don't do the writing for it, and uh, you know I don't always find what is written funny. But I'll show up and I'll act the part. Um, and and to be honest, last week I did a I did a uh, and I heard you talking about uh, the honeymooners. We did a, a a kind of a spoof of the honeymooners, and I was the Jackie Gleason character. And I when I. I, I'm I'm an actor who I won't rehearse, meaning I will <laughs> I will not turn it on until you know the camera's rolling. Oh, they must love you. So I would not, you know, practice the lines. I'm just reading them like a normal person. They turn on the camera and I start slamming the table and do screaming and and I got the New York accent a little bit, which is good. He's got. Let's hear of, it. Let's hear it. Oh, I I I don't even let's, think my let's do it. Do it. <laughs> Hey, I'm from Brooklyn, baby. Let's hear it. Offend me, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to pull up the script. <laughs> no, Fine. so so one thing I learned: I'm terrible at accents. <laughs> I know I am too. You're That's right. what he had me play John Lennon in a skit, and I'm like all over. I'm like Scottish, British. There, there, there's probably some New York in that too. 
I'll I'll do like it's weird. I'll do Anglo accents all day. Like I'll try British, I'll try Australian. And someone's like, do an Indian accent. I'm like, I don't wanna. I'm good. <laughs> do an African accent. Nah, I'm fine. Well, the, the the first time uh he he asked me this one, none of these have actually gotten onto YouTube yet. They're still being edited. Um, and this one might be canned completely. The first time I was supposed to do a New York accent. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, I'll do Joe Pesci kind of, who's the character kind of, and in my head, I've got this down and then I start doing it. And it was like a Boston accent more than, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I fucking suck at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, better you than me, man. Cause you know what it was? My, my, my first full length album, American for now. Um, I had my mom, my mom, my parents are immigrants. I had my mom and I was trying to do her and my accent of her was not good. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't like authentic. And I'm like, bro, if I can't do my own people's accent, then I shouldn't be attempting others. Now I'll do British because it's always fun. And, and I, I like British soccer and soccer has a weird kind of cadence to things. Uh, yeah. But I'm like, there's no reason why I should be jumping in unless I'm like good at it to do like a Vietnamese accent. If I can't get down, my parents are from. So that's just me personally. Well, I, I realized quickly afterwards, I wish I'd watched Ted Lasso before I tried to do the British accent, because yeah. after I watched Ted Lasso, I think I could have nailed it. <laughs> he's there. He's there. He's every effing way. <laughs> well, no, I would have just, yeah, just, just when, when you, when you watch enough of it, it's like, oh, okay, I got, I got it. I've lost yeah. it already because it's out. <laughs> I watched a season and a half and Apple's like, Hey, do you want to renew your free membership? I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Too many streaming services. Oh God, yeah. I'm I, I I'm I'm trying to work a, a joke out with this because everyone loves when I say my Netflix. I'm on my ex-wife's new husband's Netflix. Hell yeah, somehow, man! Respect. Somehow I'm still I I've got a profile on that account. Somehow you win him, baby. <laughs> so I don't know what Netflix costs, nor do I care. I think the only thing I actually pay for is Disney Plus. Hey, that's thirteen ninety nine. You saving every month, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my brother's Hulu. <laughs> that's what it is, man. I think everyone has like two or three, and then they just share it. Like why? Like we're not real to ourselves. We all know what's up. I think they build that into the pricing, right? There's nothing I think so. unethical there. <laughs> Why are there profiles then? You know what I'm saying? Right. They let you build multiple profiles. I think that's, that's you know, baked into the cake, right? <laughs> right. Um, I did want to add, so of all of these things you do, uh, if, if someone came to you and said, look, you get to pick one thing and you were going to be super rich, famous if yeah. you want to be, uh, but only one of the things that you do is going to succeed. And, you know, it, what what is the the one thing if you between writing, stand up, uh, you know, podcasting, esports, wrestling, there's one thing they're like, it. you'll make as much money as you want, but you can only do the one. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I be your permanent guest in your show? Can I just, can I just totally like ape onto your profile? <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that would probably be a good sign for me. So I'm not, I don't have that answer. <laughs> hey, look, the, the, the big dream, and, and if you guys have seen What's Up Flobo After Hours, uh, it's available on YouTube uh, and it's kind of going away on the 22nd of November. Uh, that, that was close to what I wanted to do. So getting to the comedy, I had one mission and that was to resurrect the vaudeville. 
as an art form, uh, the late night variety show. I tell people I like tonight's show because it's, it's easier content to remember. But for my Mexican listeners, it's kind of like what I want to do in my life is like host a Sabado Gigante, right? Be a ringleader to a giant party and have a monologue, but they'd also have like guests that can have an interview, that can do activities with the audience, jugglers and contortionists and all that good stuff. And so that has been the dream for me on the entertainment side. If I could, if I had to quit everything else to do one thing, I hope it will be that. Uh, but of the things I'm doing now, I, will, I would say the, 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 the podcasting thing, like to be able to get up and have clients on a podcast and to reach out to celebrities and say, like, I have in my own news outlet and to be able to have my voice heard in I think 38 countries on three continents or four continents is I mean that's something I didn't think was a possibility like again my parents are immigrants so when I was a kid it was get a good job but now I'm, I'm I get to sit in my chair and and make money or or, or have shows or or to tell jokes to people I just met like you are today because of what's happening so I think there's as many different dreams but the big one is definitely the, the talk show the show. No, I like that. And I, and I, it, the funny thing is podcasting was the, for me, podcasting was the biggest chore, kind of a pain in the ass. And it is still at times a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. uh, but not actually this part of it, like the finding people and, and scheduling and all that social stuff. media That's, posts. Yeah. But of course, if you made as much money as you could possibly want, you could just hire someone to handle all that stuff. For you. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out my budget, man. Cause I realize that's the problem. I'm like, Oh, it's just finding people, writing the strokes, structuring the show, posting it afterwards. Like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I hear you. Well, I, I, I had the biggest issue with so many people when I'm like, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast. It got delayed for months. Cause everyone's like, well, you got to have a specific focus and you got to have a clever name. And eventually I'm just like, fuck y'all. It's just going to be the Jeff Magalino podcast. Cause at least then I'll know what the name of the show is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, guess what? My favorite podcasts have different guests on and they talk about whatever. Absolutely. My, my biggest pro tip for those who are on the fence is um, it's good to have uh, a focus, but for me, as long as you have a format uh, that's way more valuable and then give yourself some, some room to grow. You know, like I go back to after hours, the whole point of that show originally was me talking about the news and then, but it was 2020. I was burnt out. Like, oh man, every week it was murder hornets and stuff. Right. And so I said, let me get some friends on. And I wanted to look a little panel show, nightly show, kind of like a politically incorrect type deal. But then all my friends are burnt out. I'll go, Hey, did you hear what happened to the Trump administration? Those farm subsidies. You're like, I don't care. You're like, fine <laughs> and so it evolved into being a comedy show so like yeah have a focus but allow whatever it is you come up with a chance to evolve and change and then it won't feel like work i'm i'm not gonna lie once once you said that i'm just like god there there are several uh late night show hosts who have easily take out and replaced with flobo hey <laughs> my 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 son watches so we he binge watches uh the office on comedy central he just turned nine and the Trevor Noah commercials comes oh, up. So? And and I don't know if you like Trevor Noah or not, but my son's like, this is the least funny person I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, yeah, that's about, yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny about Trevor Noah? And um, short answer is I do. I like him a lot. 
and and here's the reason why because a lot of times people ask me on these podcasts hey what's your favorite comedy comedy influence and i'll say my favorite comedy album is trevor noah's crazy normal which i suggest if you guys haven't heard it go ahead and do it because um what what made it funny for me was that one he had a cool intro song but but he (laughs) breaks down south african politics and then makes them like these characters to make you laugh at them. Like I had no idea who the Scorpions were or Jacob Zuma was or anything like that. But at the end of that show, I had an idea who Jacob Zuma was. I found out he was funny. I thought it was great. So when he got the job at Daily Show, I go, I see why he got the job. Now, if you're used to the Jon Stewart version, it's so different. You wouldn't be faulted for bailing. But I would say that the fact that what, what Trevor Noah did is making his world, his background relevant to other people, I enjoyed it immensely. I think there's something to be said about comics who try to educate, you know? I, I, I can't do it half the time, but... <laughs> no, 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 and that's interesting. I, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at some of his older stuff. I think I think my problem, and, and just to be clear, because, you know, I'm a white guy with short hair, I should be clear, I detest Donald Trump. <laughs> so so i'm not a i'm not a republican i'm also not a democrat <laughs> you know what let's talk about this for a second man because my my dad okay my parents are black i forgot to say this but my dad is conservative he's a, he's a registered republican uh in new york and my mom she never registered but she's she's liberal she's democrat i'm not knocking conservatives man not knocking republican party or democratic party it's all great but i think and i'm not saying joe biden's the best president ever but the one thing that joe biden's not doing is tweeting at 5 a.m. Like, I used to get up, like, anxious. Like, what? who are we going to have a problem with today? And I said, that's the one thing was temperament for me. So I get it, man. I totally get that that feeling. Like, hey, man, I, that's not my guy. <laughs> you know what I mean at all? But but having an outside perspective, being like, hey, I'm from South Africa. This is why I think about what's happening with American politics. It's like, oh, it's pretty fresh, you know, pretty uh, different. Yeah, I think, I think with what's going on. So Jimmy Kimmel. Like uh, he's a great, I used to think he was one of the funniest guys. I loved him until Trump became president. And then like the only SNL did the same thing. Basically it just became almost like, this is a political tool to attack. They don't attack Joe Biden. Let's face it. He's pretty easy to pick on too. And they don't, they just kind of gloss over him. It's like, no, they're, they're both old awful people <laughs> I realize that one you know like one like we always think about our presidents right so there was the mark Lewinsky thing there was the, the, the dumb uh george w bush thing there He's was the, a lot of dumb things <laughs> yeah there was a clueless obama who's being controlled by his wife thing um as long as we've been a nation you can go back to the days of mark twain We've always made fun of our presidents. We've made fun of our politicians. As we um, should. <laughs> as we should. That's part of our American fabric. What, what made Donald Trump so different is that he had so much bravado that an assault about making fun of his, his mentality was kind of seen as like undermining the party. And people took offense to that. And so you have Joe Biden here, who is funny because he's doing nothing. But it's hard to make nothing funny because he's like so low key. And it's like, bro, do something. Uh, you know, we got to think about it. Incoherent that, sentence, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. So it, it's almost like such a downshift. It seems like, oh, they're, you're supporting Biden, but no one really likes him. It was kind of like a compromise. Seriously, as a person of color, I'm in my mid 30s going like, 
another white guy's our, our choice? Like, really? That's a, that's a one, super that's, old white guy. That's like, for, yeah, exactly. Hey, the 72 year old Trump is not working. How about a 78 year old white guy? From the North? So, like, I, I get that too, but like, it's almost like he doesn't, almost he does anything wrong, but he's just so like low key that why would I dunk on grandma? Just make me cookies, bro. Like, what's going on? Well, I, I've, I've said, I, I'm pretty convinced that he's not in control of his own faculties at this point even if he is i mean if i'm dnc i gotta be like okay transition let's get somebody else even if he's the most sharpest guy but he's just so slow it's like i don't know what's going on here yeah no he well the funny thing is when he was vice president that was there was a clip of robin williams like well at least we got crazy joe biden this lunatic just says the dumbest things in the world that was when he was vice president what 12 years ago 12 years ago yeah, Robin Williams and I had that weird connection, man. I, I, I said this on a couple of podcasts. I'm not sure if you know the story, but uh, after taking a six week class, I performed comedy for the first time on August 10th, 2014. It changed my life. I knew that was what I wanted to do with my life. It was like uh, being on the blocks of a track meet or a swim meet. And so it says, please welcome Blobo Voice. And there was three minutes at the comedy store, it felt like two hours. Um, and unfortunately, 24 hours after that, Rob Williams passed away. And so I never met the guy. I don't, I'm not saying I'm on his level, but I kind of felt there was a connection there about me deciding what I want to do. And here's someone who devoted his entire life, quite literally, to entertainment. Um, so it's, it's kind of a thing where it's like, man, there's a kind of a weird passing in the ships at night. Golf is top, it's one of the top bits of all time. Who's on first? And that golf bit, whew. Yeah, that's, I think he, the funny thing about Robin Williams is I think he gets underrated as a, as a standup because he was in the mid nineties for a while. He was the biggest actor. Like he was the biggest, he was in everything. Yeah. My favorite movie growing up was Aladdin or one of them. One of my favorite anime movies growing up was Aladdin and, and, and Robin Williams being that genie still. In fact, global fact, when I was in high school, I was in a, a stage production called Sing, and the character I was given was the Robin Williams version of the genie. So I had to go watch the videos and and get into like that character. So I got to like be in Robin Williams' shoes in a weird way at that small level to understand the process of why would a enslaved magical being be so outlandish and go, "What do you need? What do you need? What do you need?" And 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 so it was kind of cool. They they still there are people still to this day who say he changed the landscape of animated movies with that role. Oh yeah, he was so funny, and that was there before that. There were not like a lot of celebrities who did the voices. Yeah, usually a bunch of people who you know, unless you're a voiceover nerd, you're not going to know who the hell the voice of right. uh, Mowgli or. Uh, uh, I, I can't think of animated characters before Aladdin, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the Beauty and the Beast, Sebastian? even. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah, those no are idea. <laughs> But no, Aladdin, Robin Williams, and since then, it's been a, a celebrity train. Absolutely. And I love Dan Castellaneta. I mean, Dan Castellaneta is the voice of Homer Simpson, but when he stepped into the genie's role on the animated series and it returned Jafar, it was like, great, but where's Robin? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It was a weird, weird vibe. And Gilbert Gottfried was in that as the parrot, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, um, 
Nah, I blanked on whatever. I had something. I blame I blame the refill. <laughs> it's all right, man. <laughs> the um so I didn't want to gloss over this, but I kind of gloss did. over it. And it was it was a long time ago. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but you mentioned a near death experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I'll totally talk. That's why I'm here, baby. Guys, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it would be kind of weird if you mentioned it that's a personal question there jeff i don't know yeah um so this is a backstory i used to be very very heavy uh when i was uh my my third year in the college i was my heaviest i was uh at 375 pounds and uh i was a fat kid for a long time and, but so i i got to lose the weight when i was 24 i realized i, I had a whole life ahead of me started working out eating subway sandwiches you know, eating, eating hoagies and I lost a hundred and fifty pounds. Um, but the problem was because I was heavy for so long that I had no elasticity left in my skin. I was basically pregnant for 16 years. So I had this like giant mass of skin in front of me. So I, I got elective surgery. I don't say plastic surgery, but elective surgery to get that stuff removed. Um, and uh, it was called the flirtily and the plastic. I talk about this in my book, by the way. Um, and, and I recovered okay. But about three days after the surgery, just to give you a little bit of a, a, a backstory, when you have a flirty amnioplasty, they call it that because it's like the, uh, the, like the New Orleans Saint symbol, like the flower, like the flower thing. Yeah, there it is. Bam. So <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a pair of sutures, the one that runs from my breastbone uh, to about uh, the top of my penile area and both hips, so like an inverse T. And they basically cut the skin off about seven pounds worth. They kind of sew it together. Um, about three days afterwards, uh, my suture line had opened up. And one night I was at home, I was watching Up in the Air. Uh, I had a, uh, my suture line, four, line, four inches long, about two inches uh, deep. It just opened up and I was bleeding out at the side of my leg. And I didn't, couldn't stop it. And, you know, they talk about getting like compresses and pressure on it. But I couldn't, I couldn't land on my back because the, the suture line was on my right side. And I couldn't get on my stomach because I just had ab surgery. And so I had this gauze that was like filling up with blood. And trust me, if you ever had your own blood, it's like warm and sticky and gross. And uh, I thought I was going to die that night. And I, and it's, it's funny because you have a bunch of regrets that flash through your brain. Like I, I wanted to, to high five Oprah. I wanted to, I wanted to, to make more money. I wanted to have sex with more people. Um, but the two big, Regrets I had was I never rode a motorcycle or never got the license and I never did comedy. So my mom was there. She flew out to LA to, to, to basically trip sit me because she was a nurse before she retired. Uh, had the gauze pressing it on me. And uh, I did the one that was like, you know, death prayers, basically like, okay, I'm okay with going, you know, because this was a surgery that I elected to do. It wasn't life threatening. It was just me saying, I want to look pretty. And, uh, but at the same time, I said, if I survived the night, then I'll be fine. And the last thing I remember seeing was like SNL was on TV after the movie, fell asleep, woke up the next day, and that giant open wound had like congealed, uh, blood clotted with uh, my blood. And it looked like a jello mold. It just got sliced to the side of my, my side of my body. And uh, I thought that I was going to die. And I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. And so six months later, for my birthday, my birthday is in June. Uh, my girlfriend at the time got me a comedy class voucher from Living Social slash Groupon. And I said, let me try it out. It was a six-week class. Adam Barnhart was my teacher. He's a legend at Comedy Store. And the graduation was three minutes at the Comedy Store. So I said, I'm going to do 
foot and if I did it and it sucked, then I'd be fine. Uh, what happened though, was that I sent a Facebook invite to my friend, but I made public by mistake. And the day I performed, I had 17 of my friends in the audience. Oh and, no. And when they called me up, it was three minutes. It's still online somewhere, but I still knew despite all that, that's what I wanted to do in my life. So that, that moment when I thought I was going to die, saying, I'm going to try to stand up comedy, gave me the confidence to take the class. But then doing the show at the class graduation, maybe go, no, comedy, entertainment, being the guy, that's what I want my life to be. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, good, uh, a good outcome for a near-death. Well, I guess a bad outcome would mean we wouldn't be talking. Yeah, I was dead. It wasn't near death at all. He died. I'm actually a ghost right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is uh, getting into the weird realm. <laughs> I pre um, content. So before I... Oops. Before, before I let you go, um, tell me about New Amsterdam and also about where everyone can find you, Flobo. <laughs> yeah, New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast was like the one podcast I had before the pandemic. It was me on my phone talking about news and updates for other creative people. And when the pandemic hit, all my friends from high school, hit me up and was like, hey, Flo, saw your podcast. I'm your guest next week. And I was like, I don't do guests. And she was like, so? I was like, damn. <laughs> so I had to make sure that I had to find a way to make, make that work. But since then, it's become a cool weekly arts and culture podcast. Sit down with creatives like yourself and ask them why they do what they do, how they do what they do, any tips. Uh, so imagine that, a wedding DJ business, the comedy business, all under one umbrella. I call it New Amsterdam Entertainment. You can learn more about that at newamsterdam.com. But the real reason why I wanted to be on your show, I want to promote my book. It's called Graduation Day. It's available on Amazon. When I graduated college, my commencement speaker was a district manager at Walmart. I said, we could do better. So my book is basically each chapter is a life lesson I learned as an adult. And I end it with my actual commencement speech for future college graduates. It's called Graduation Day, available on Amazon as well. So newamsterdam.com is a website, though, all the shows that I'm hosting. And definitely Graduation Day, available now pick up a copy i love i love that concept i love yeah. that concept for the book thanks and that's uh and i meant to this i i mentioned beforehand i've got the list that was that was on the list and i completely uh oh it's totally fine baby like i do a lot of things <laughs> it's totally fine like i i can't be mad if you're talking about me for an hour i'm like excuse me, excuse me you missed <laughs> one part <laughs> yeah, yeah. like whatever no, 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 but, but yeah I'm, I'm gonna pick that up and new amsterdam by the way the link will be in the show notes. So unless you're a moron, you just click there. But if you're going to type it into that bar, uh, it starts with a K. It's new Amsterdam. Like I knew it. Yeah. K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Uh, for those people who ask me, I'm not Dutch. Uh, I'm from Brooklyn. Uh, when the Dutch uh, sold or bought New York from the natives for $24 in beads, uh, they called it new Amsterdam with an N. Uh, I call it K-N-E-W for two reasons. One, copyright. And two, the pursuit of knowledge. So K-N-E-W, newamsterdam.com. Awesome. Flobo, I greatly appreciate your time tonight. And uh, uh, I, I look forward, hopefully we uh, can talk again in the future. 
Oh, thanks for inviting me, man. I love the podcast. It was cool. Being able to talk about myself for an hour totally made my day. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about myself nearly as much as I would like. So this is pretty great. Yeah. Well, if you ever just need like the therapy couch, you can just hop on over. And... <laughs> I was born a poor black child there, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Flobo, thank you again. Thank you. Hey, that was it. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to the St. Paul's Festival. I mentioned the Wipeout once here before. Uh, I went on the Wipeout with my now nine-year-old son. Um, I handled it quite well, I must say. But uh, that's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Please exit to the right. And something, 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 which probably means subscribe, like, and share this podcast everywhere you can. Because look, I'm a good guy. Help me out. Come on. Follow me on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, all of those places. Um, you know, subscribe to YouTube if you want. I'll I'll put more up on YouTube if more people subscribe. I promise. All right. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. I already did that. So we're just going to say peace out. Goodbye.